UCB Life Issues with Paul Hammond. And as always, a very warm welcome to this week's Life Issues. Now, not that long ago, my neighbour bought himself a motorhome. And of course, we all went out to have a look at it. And I joked with him that, ah, the open road must be calling. And in truth, I wouldn't mind a bit life of a traveller myself. Of course, that sentiment is less influenced by the reality of a traveller's life than the romanticised Romany so beloved of TV and film. Whether it be the campfire scenes in a James Bond, Aunt Polly's funeral in Peaky Blinders, the imagery of gypsies, tramps and thieves from Cher, or even an Airbnb in a gypsy caravan. Oh, it appeals, doesn't it? But if that's the case... Why is it that the media, and often we, are so quick and willing to criticise, ridicule and even demonise the reality of the traveller life? Whether it be news reports about travellers' rights, whether it be Big Fat Gypsy Wedding or Tyson Fury, King of the Gypsies, well, of course we say he's going to behave like that. What more can you expect, travellers? They're all misogynistic, ill-educated scoundrels on the make, walking stereotypes, the lot of them, cause trouble wherever they go, they're nothing but gypsies, tramps and thieves. Except the moment you start to think about it, you realise that it Can't be that simple, can it? I mean, think about the stereotypes and representations of your community in the populist press. How accurate are they about you? And while, undoubtedly, traditional traveller families have a culture that is different to societal norms, and there are those who will commit crime, and education can be a real issue. But how much of that is out of choice? And how much is the result of centuries of being excluded, persecuted, victimised and told you're nothing more than gypsies, tramps and thieves? Dr Stephen Horn is the first Romany from the UK to be awarded a PhD in theology. He works in the Church of England leading a Fresh Expressions outreach mission. He also delivers lectures and training to clergy, students, teachers, healthcare professionals and the government about attitudes to and the reality for the GRT, Gypsy Roma Traveller community. His mum is a gorger, a non-gypsy. His dad was a Romany gypsy. He grew up within two cultures and recently published a book about the often ignored reality of GRT faith. It's published by DLT and it's called Gypsies and Jesus. He's been described as living a life that is an amalgamation of gypsy values and settled practices. And if you follow him on Facebook, well, the fire pit might incline you to agree. He's my guest today, Steve. Welcome to Life Issues. Thank you so much, and uh, thank you for that incredible build-up. I feel <laughs> I feel very privileged. Could you write that down, and I can put it on my new uh, my new blog. <laughs> I'll 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 send you the the email. Uh, so let let me just pick on that thought though for a moment before we go anywhere else. You have been described as an amalgamation of gypsy values and settled practices. Yes. What are the gypsy values that you think? shape your life today great question um they're going to be values that you and i expect most of your listeners will also be sharing Uh, and that might come as a as 
a surprise because you would think, well, okay, gypsies are going to have a, a different set of values because they're living in a particularly different way. But the way I often describe gypsy cultures and uh, gypsy communities is is effectively turning it. Do you let me give you an analogy? Do you remember the film? I think it came out in the eighties. I might be wrong. Spinal Tap. Yes. Uh, the music video yes yeah. and, uh, and there's a scene about turning an amplifier up to 11 and it's got 11 <laughs> so it's that little much more louder um but we all know it's exactly the same thing now those will be if we can kind of move that analogy over to gypsy values life is just turned up that little bit louder yeah. so th- certain things are more emphasized if i was to do some kind of um uh, some kind of like hierarchy or pyramid of values i would have family at the very top of that now often you know, most of us keep families at, you know, at our heart and at the centre of our thoughts. Um, but family for gypsies and travellers means something so much more different. It's so much more uh, valuable. You're, uh, for example, um, I might not have, um, there's, there's some truth in this and some not true, but I might not have any wealth at all in my bank account. But for me, in real life, I've got six children. So I'd be considered very, very rich among certain people. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's one of the Psalms that says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full. And that's six arrows. And uh, go on. And, and is, it, is it almost like, like you say, it's like everything is turned up. So the importance of family, it's almost like the the old ideas of, of clan systems and, and, and loyalty and bond that comes through that sort of thing. And and when it comes to, to the, the cutting of a deal, the making of a deal, you see, there's, there's a lot of very famous sort of TV imageries that, about gypsies making a deal, spitting in the hand, shaking hand, and that deal is an absolute... You, don't, you can take it to the bank, except you wouldn't go to the bank, but you know what I mean? It, that yes. sort of... It's like everything's just pushed that little bit further, that built that little bit stronger, that little bit more intense. Yes, uh, and and actually, you've picked up on something another value I would have said, which is, um, which is. Uh, I guess you could categorize it as integrity, but it's being a person of your word, being a family of your word. Um, And that's, you know, whether anyone's looking or not. And that's why I would say integrity. Um, And it's interesting you pointing out, you know, those, those sort of scenes we've, we would see in certain popular media where, you know, there's, there's the shaking of hand and your bond is your word. Now, like a lot of things, there is actually some truth in, in that. But it's interesting how on one side we have media say, look, here's a romanticized gypsy, you know, the spitting in the hands, you know, doing a horse trade deal, something like that. And then at the same time, we're led to believe that all gypsies and travelers are thieves, which would be the complete opposite to integrity and being someone of your word. So you can't have it both ways in the media, but we want it both ways as a public consensus. I better ask you a question before we go any further, because I get a sense that for for the last six minutes, I may well have been triggering people over and over again by using (laughs) the word gypsy, because there is a sense in the Gorger community that you you can't say that any, you can't call people gypsies anymore. But in your book, you actually, no, you're imposing that on us. That's not what we think. Yeah, um, I mean, if if, uh, if someone from the Romney community can write a book that starts with gypsies and Jesus, <laughs> um, 
I think, I mean, I could just leave it there, but but let, let's just unpack that a little bit. So one thing, one thing I say to some of these students I speak to when I go to certain universities to deliver like lectures, often on sort of equality and inclusion, um, and they'll often be trainee teachers learning, you know, about particular communities. And I'll go in and the first thing I'll say to them is that um, you can say and ask whatever you feel you need to within this room. There's no words that are off limits there's nothing that's going to offend me there you know I'm, I'm quite thick-skinned um and it's important to be able to speak and use words um in their fullest because otherwise you know we can't get to how can we unpack discrimination if we can't if we have to dance around certain terms in the first place sometimes they're really uncomfortable terms but we have to get in there so that so, so once people feel comfortable enough they say so so i can say gypsy and i'll say well, on one extreme, you've got, um, you know, the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury, yeah. um, you know, who, who places that title upon upon himself. Um, he's not offended by that term. And now there is some obviously historical basis. Um, I'd say go into the book if you want a full explanation behind that. But in short, the the, the term Gypsy was a uh, it was derived from the word Egyptian. Um, and that was because of the way um, um, Roma people at the time looked, you know, darker yeah. skinned, quite flamboyant clothing. We're talking uh, for, for context, we're talking like 700 years ago. And so the idea of having the word gypsy in many ways had uh, racist connotations, except that wasn't a dialogue back then. And quite often we, you know, and in many areas of society, we'll go and get um certain arguments that have an historical basis and we'll pull them into the future to for our current values but it is the case isn't it that the word gypsy because i mean i remember the way in which gypsy uh in the 70s would have been used the way in which um tinker would have been another one that would have been dropped into the mix and they, they would have been dropped in later on traveler would have probably fallen into the same brackets where they've been put in and they were being used by wider society in a derogatory way. So I suppose an awareness for society that it's unacceptable to use those terms in that way is a yeah. good thing for the way that we we view your community now. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that there is a, a conversation in the first place, I'm grateful for that, that it's like, oh, can, can we use that term? Because before there wasn't anything and it was just you were ascribed in whatever way the person from the larger, more dominant society would ascribe you as. You was always othered. And so you could be othered with a gypsy, with traveller, with Roma. Um, quite often, Roma, you know, we uh, people would say, OK, well, that's more Eastern Europeans, which there's obviously truth within that. But with gypsy and traveller, we thought of them more as ascribed terms. Yeah. However, those communities have taken those terms um, in, you know, in the same way that many other communities, uh, minority communities or um, certain parts of our culture uh, who have had derogatory names or terms used against them have then taken those terms and claimed them for their own. See, the thing is, if, if, if with the with the term gypsy, if you were to take that away from gypsies, you, you're left with what we would class under um, the, uh, what's the, the thing we get every 10 years, the census. Yes. You would be classed as white other. You're, 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 you're othered even more. So at least within the term gypsy, um, and it's important to point that um, some people identify as gypsy, some people identify as traveller. There's usually um, actual particular, you know, chains of heritage within that that you know for example mine is romany gypsy 
um, some people's a traveller. But those terms, some people do use those interchangeably yeah. for the very reasons that you just mentioned. And that's really important because people have lived and died under using certain terms. So someone might turn up into, into a new town moving in and they they might identify as a traveller, but they know that they find out that in that area, travellers have got a really bad reputation. So they'll say, oh, I'm, I'm a gypsy because people will go, you know, people in that area Taking might go back to yeah. the, the, the romanticised days. And and is part of, because in reading the book, I mean, so much stuff in the book. Let me just remind you of the title. It's called Gypsies in Jesus, A Traveller Theology by Stephen Horn, Dr. Stephen Horn. And Steve's my guest today. And the reading through the book, I mean, so much stuff. Like discovering that um, originally the Roma people were part of the Indian diaspora. I never realised that. Um, discovering that actually part of the reason that there is a nomadic tradition for gypsies is because Pope Martin V or something like that actually condemned them to a nomadic life as a penance because of their association with Islam. You know, you kind of go, the Pope actually made gypsies travellers. It's, it's incredible. I mean, it, there's lots of nuggets like that throughout the book. But one of the things that came across to me was the the sort of the impression that there is almost a an attitude within a, a gypsy mindset or, and, and that, that says, if you're going to give something negative to me, whether it be the title or whether it be a requirement to be a traveling people or, or what, I'm going to take that and I'm going to make the best of it. Almost like a, I don't want to say stubbornness, but, but it's a mindset. Is, well, is that true? I think you'd be right. Uh, yeah, no, I think, and I think stubbornness, um, in in the most positive way, if we can use that, a positive stubbornness, um, it's 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 a learned practice that covers a plethora of areas of life. Um, gypsies and travellers, by the very nature of where they've, you know, they've where they've come from, where they've gone through, and historically and in the present age, have had to be resilient, um, and that resilience comes with a degree of stubbornness, um, and it's it's. A lot of it is, um, you know, a, a kind of self-preservation. It, it's had to, it's a practice and a, a thought process and a, a, a collective psyche that's that's developed as a reaction to things. But if anything, within you know the last few hundred years, that has become um, a characteristic, and you know, rather than just a reaction to to situations. And that's sometimes when we can get cultural clashes. You know, we think, why is there so much? resistance there but when you're you know when your dna strand has got 700 years of um um you know capital punishment in um uh shatteral slavery um you name it a anything and everything yeah. witch trials a lot they, that that kind of sticks so you have to be resilient you have to be stubborn and it is amazing i mean you again in the book you talk about the the history and and there's a quote for over 500 years gypsy roma travelers grt have been persecuted, misrepresented, enslaved, and even murdered in whatever land they reside. And it's it's points like that during the the Reformation here, and then Henry VIII disassociating himself from the um, from the Catholic Church. If you were a gypsy and you refused to leave the country, 
capital punishment could be applied to you. I mean, the the, the level of persecution throughout history has been phenomenal. I wondered if it was any other communities at all, whether there'd be far more awareness of this in our history lessons. What mm. is it about gypsies that stirs such a response in gorgeous i think we've got um i think we've got two reasons um really one um and it, i might need you to pull me back on this i remember is a certain degree of jealousy now i know that that's going to trigger some people and so but i want to come back to that um in a moment yeah so two two sort of real reasons why is that is one a certain amount of jealousy and two because i mean if um i don't know if obviously the viewers will see what we're seeing i know we're doing this on a podcast but if they see any images of myself they think but hang on a second that's a uh that's a nice white chap you know talking to you there and they'd be correct i'm you know i'm i i may have romany gypsy heritage but i'm white english if we're gonna you know go go down that route and this is something and i do do hold on to this strand because this is something i see within the um the outreach ministry that i do so a lot of the people that come to my outreach ministry um 80 of them are addicts 50 to 60 percent of them are homeless the rest of them live in sheltered accommodation all of them have gone through some kind of troubled period um a lot of them hang out in the local high street in the town center and there's a huge fountain and they sort of sit near there and they'll be necking cans during the day and a lot of people who come to volunteer the first few times they come along they'll say oh i've seen them and you know they're, they're kind of acting like this out there and i said but they're not there they're they're us we're within the same community yeah. as soon as you start recognizing that that you stop othering someone else and you recognize that actually they are you you'll want to do something about it it'd be like my son i've got a 14 year old son if i saw him on the side of the street doing drugs i wouldn't go across the other side of the street as we see in the good samaritan i wouldn't be that person who walks on the other side of the street to keep walking and just avoid and then go back he's my son so i'll go to him and i want to love on him so when i when i love on him you know i want him to to recognize that he's part of my family part of my culture you know i i want to be able to make some change there so i do that with the people that come to my ministry in the same way as a community uh, as a as a culture a collective culture a british culture we often don't do that yeah. with other gypsies yeah. and travelers does that make sense so yeah. we see them as there's something different, not one of our own. The fact that they've been here for much longer, actually, than most other cultures in terms of the the white Britishness or any other culture. And I suppose, so, in some ways, the the if we push it back, and and I know that history is very important for the gypsy community and that that awareness of how gypsies have been treated through the centuries makes up a very a very now awareness whereas mm. perhaps in wider british culture yeah there was there was all sorts of things have happened in the past but we don't really carry that same sense of awareness of it um i, I but i suppose the the first opportunity for xenophobia came with gypsies because they were the ones that were making the effort to travel across Europe and cross the Channel and come into into England and, and move through Britain. And it is, it's almost as though they gave us the first chance to pull the drawbridge up and go, oh, no, they're different to us. 
That's it. And and I mean, you know, if if we wanted to get any kind of understanding of where we go really, really wrong with this, uh, we only need to look at the obviously the well, it's still current, but the uh, Middle East cri- uh, refugee crisis, um, you know, really sort of starting and peaking around you know 2012 2013 kind of time when uh, we have all the troubles with Syria and you know the Middle East emerging and ISIS and what we were getting is troubles in the Middle East um large collectives and swathes of people being essentially you know uh, forced from where the, the lands where they lived they made their way through um often through Greece and that bottom you know area of Europe and made their way through Europe exactly the same path yeah. in many ways yeah. as early Roma uh, people and coming and dispersing through Europe and eventually ending up here why are they coming here we hear you know and, and but it's the same thing and we we have that chance of when we, we always hear that you know history repeating itself and if we don't do something about you know if we forget our past, we're doomed to repeat it. I, I've got to pull you back, though, to your first point, because you said part of the reason you believe that wider society, non-gypsy society, gorgeous society, has such a problem with gypsies, with Roma, with travellers, is because we're jealous. Yeah. Now, I think I know what you mean by that, but you're going to have to explain it. I, of course I will, yeah. And there was actually a third reason, and of course that's something I, I'm sure we'll touch on at some point in our chat today anyway, which of course is media representation yeah, and yeah. representation or lack of repre- representation within certain texts and things. I'm, I mean, I'm doing this intentionally to be a little bit provocative. And the reason why is because when we provoke certain feelings, it causes us to address them and address why we're thinking them, if we reflect anyway, that is. So you you made a point very early on in the introduction about um, having a caravan, I think. You yeah. said, you know, um, having that, you know, that that chance to perhaps go on a holiday in a caravan for a couple of weeks. And why do we choose sometimes for, our, you know, our two weeks away to go into a caravan? And because, you know, we've got that sense of freedom, that sense of, you know, movement, that sense of mobility. Um, and uh, why wouldn't you be a little bit, disgruntled when someone else seems to be living a life where that is their life so it's not that living in a caravan permanently is a uh, one is done by all gypsies and travelers in fact it's a really really tiny percentage i mean minuscule um and it's not that any of that life living that way is in any way comfortable no however some people do choose to obviously live that way and it's the perceived oh they can do what they like and that's the thing isn't it it's not that they're doing what they like it's that someone has the attitude of they can do what they like and that really really grinds at a lot of us who are working you know five days six days a week having to pay this having to pay that and the perception that someone else has it easier is a is a real nasty trait that a lot of us can hold and and we tend to hold it against others now it's acceptable if we hold that against i say acceptable with bunny is if we hold that against someone who's earned millions or is a politician or has perceived wealth and so there's definitely a wealth thing going on there but if someone else has it then and they don't necessarily or aren't perceived as having lots of wealth then they've got to be up to something dodgy and that's not right and i'm jealous that they can have that freedom because i (laughs) they haven't got the wealth that i might have they definitely haven't got the wealth that they've got but they've got something that i want and the the, that certain thing i think can really be summed up in freedom um freedom of thought freedom of practice freedom of mind the reality of it is is everyone in this land is governed by the same rules and that 
for the vast majority, the overwhelming majority of people settled or non-settled obey, obey those rules and abide by them. Um, and it's just that perception. So I think there's a certain amount of jealousy, but yes, it needed unpacking. To, uh, to and and I think the, there's a, a point there that's maybe worth picking up for a moment, though, because there is this perception. And I think you're, you're right. Perception that, yes, yeah, dodgy dealings, perception that they're up to no good, but also that perception of freedom that does kind of stir a little bit when we are, you know, if we're a wage slave, we're having to turn into work every Monday morning, whether we feel like it or not. That that idea that you can just jump in your caravan, you can travel to the other end of the country. Except, of course, the reality is, especially for a lot of, of the younger members of traveller families, reality is that they have a lot of restrictions put on them by the life that they live, by the lack of resources that are available to them, by the way in which society and the state treats them. So things like education, things that, that blight their whole lives because they can't read and write or they haven't got a, a, a recognised qualification, etc., Yes, yeah, and 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 this is the uh, this is one of the huge issues, of course, is the perception that um, uh, you know where ang- the anger towards some of the community comes from is that oh well they can just go and they could just go and do this or they could just go and live in a house like that. Well, uh, to touch on the ministry element I said about earlier on, I, I run a uh, an outreach ministry, um, Fresh Expressions Church plant, where um, people for, who are mostly from like homeless communities come along. Not one of them wants to be homeless. Not one of them wants to stay homeless. Um, there's uh, there's a few gypsies and travellers there, but not many at all. Uh, most of what you call the settled community, ironically, um, and that you know they're 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 coming along and they've got this uh you know this notion that um that they want to be in a a, a settled life as, as such but the people who are seeing them coming through the doors and are turning their nose up to them are saying why don't you do something about your life yeah and this yeah. is the problem is we bring we we often uh blame the issues of our society and our structures and the way that we work as a society on the individuals when in fact as individuals we're recipients of these structures that we've all agreed to partake in whether that's politics or whether that's paying rent to live in a certain property whatever that system is you know we're we're the recipients of that and so the young gypsies and travelers who you mention about and you're absolutely right you know uh, uh, are left with minimal options because they've come from their one of their situations might be that their um their parents were should we say like more traditional in the set you know for gypsies and traveler communities in the sense that um they might have left education or state education i should say um from you know basically as soon as they've sort of reached secondary school age and so they might be going into work and so there's a a certain amount of you know obviously education they're missing there and not anything you know not getting picked up on certain things like you say like reading and writing Um, and then of course once they get to you know once they get to uh, an age where they can be legally employed Employed and they go to an employer and they haven't been able to get the qualifications you know that employer might take them on but they'll have more questions as to yeah. why haven't you got these qualifications yeah. oh because you know i grew up on this site or you know and that's it their their applications put to one side you know because of the perceptions against gypsies and travelers and there is very much a, a sense and you mentioned it earlier a sense of th- this prejudice being shaped mm. by the media and being shaped by media images around the gypsy community. One of the things that you talk about in your book is about taking back the pen and sort of having an opportunity, and it's not just you, there are others who are doing similar work, having the opportunity to 
to tell the narrative of the Gypsy Roma traveller community from the actuality of your own experience. Mm. Because the stereotypes are actually weapons that are used against you to keep you on the margins. Absolutely. Um, and I think that was what was crucial about um, getting my my work out there. That's what I did for my PhD and then turned it into um, something readable that wouldn't send you asleep for uh, for the actual book itself. Um, but it was it was crucial and it was crucial to be able to hear people um with their own you know within their own words within their own texts uh and this is this is i mean there's an emphasis there's a side issue there of why we should be really really supporting and encouraging gypsies and travelers in the education system wherever we we can you know and for however small opportunity we get we should be supporting them so that they might be able to write texts that they can you know then share with the sort of the wider populace however what we should be doing as well in the same way that i advocate all different kinds of learning for all different kinds of people i would advocate all different kinds of being able to express oneself um for different kinds of people so our medium of being able to get across um get across our you know our words and our information is often through written form well actually there's a a, a real tradition of oratory uh skills yeah. to performers within the gypsy and traveler community mm. storytellers we call them and it's really important to be able to listen to them people would come from you know all around the world to listen to really good gypsy storytellers who would not we're not talking about stories that are just you know a, a fabrication about something mythical we're on about stories that are born from experience and life and that's I, what i've tried to do is cross two different mediums to essentially work as an interpreter between one culture and another and vice versa because obviously i had that that shared heritage growing up um, it, it but, is it's fascinating to me that oral traditions like that from other parts of the world are shown incredible respect these days and yet you highlight the oral tradition for the gypsy history as well as gypsy wisdom and philosophy a philosophy which as you say has influenced your life. i mean despite the fact that your brother nearly killed you when he stuck you on the back of a horse for the first time read <laughs> that story for yourself in the book the the you you highlight the value of that philosophy for yourself um and yet we barely know it now there's a quote again from your book where you talk about the social nar narrative um actually let, let me get this right you say that people who have penned the stories about gypsies the wider community rather than gypsies themselves and started rumors have placed nooses around gypsies next now i know historically that was literally true but surely power of the media doesn't impact gypsy life to that sort of degree these days does it oh you you, you like you wouldn't believe um every time um and I, I as you can imagine i speak to a lot of people um from different gypsy and traveler communities around the country um every time there's a new program being announced so for example we quite often hear about something weeks and weeks before it's perhaps been advertised uh so you know i won't name channels but there's usually uh, certain channels that often put these programs on and there'll be something about the community and it's usually something like 
you know, um, the real crimes of gypsies and travellers or my big fat gypsy wedding to go back a decade, which incidentally, that is still having ramifications now mm. um, within the population. Um, I will actually let me touch on that particular example, because I do pick up on that program. I don't talk about it because I'm not giving them any more airtime than they deserve. But I do mention them as an issue that that particular program for a number of reasons. So the teachers, the young trainee teachers that I could sometimes go and uh, speak to, speaking to some more next month. Um, when I start talking about certain things, I'll often ask who's heard of my big fat gypsy wedding. A lot of the trainee teachers coming through of the past sort of five, well, current time to up to about five or six years ago, uh, were either teenagers or young, you know, children when that came on and yeah. that formed their opinion of what yeah. gypsies and yeah. They could they could literally recite elements out of that program. Um, and so these things have a profound effect with the thing is, is when you're being fed this somewhere in the background, it's coming up as a headline. You might not even open up the news article from the newspaper, but it comes past on your feed. We drip fed this all the time. Mm. And then to make things worse on social media, we get the sensationalized thing. So we might see gypsy fights and things like that, when in fact, you might like all elements of cultures, you'll have certain elements of truth, but at the same time to think of these snapshots of sensationalism or truth is just ridiculous. And so these things have profound effects. So going back to your, 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 well, your quote of myself about, you know, the, these people who have penned these things have placed the noose around gypsies necks. They still are doing this, whether they realize they literally did it back then. Nowadays, they, I mean, the suicide rate in, um, we know that the suicide rate within the UK of men is something like 75%, um, you know, against say 20% or say of, of females, the, 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 the rate of male to female suicide is, is, crazy high within the gypsy and traveler community we then get that terrifying and horrible statistic and we make it even worse so um that you're much more likely as a male gypsy uh or traveler um to commit suicide than you are say um, a male from non-gypsy and traveler community so when you've already got that high statistic of um of death caused by you know and numerous issues you then that's exacerbated yeah, within the gypsy yeah. traveler community and that's generally not because of what's going on within the gypsy and traveler community but within the country and the communities that encompass those places and people and the way that they are being looked at spoken about talked about and put out on the margins. Now, I, I want to encourage you to have a look at uh, Steve's book for a whole host of reasons, um, not least because some fascinating thoughts in there about othering, some fascinating thoughts about the nomadic, the sojourner, uh, about living on the edge lands and in the margins. And I mean, it's really interesting perspectives that do speak into Christian values about how we view other people and how we reach other people. There's even a chapter which says is entitled I Am Not Cain, which is an interesting one to unpack as well. But it's called Gypsies and Jesus, A Traveller Theology by Stephen Horn, published by DLT. You can find it online and in good bookshops. So one of the things that you do talk about is the way in which evangelical faith, and you talk about Gypsy Smith and so on, but evangelical faith actually really connected and still connects for gypsy mindset because of the way that they view sin and the way that they view life and the way that they view death and we are not talking about Aunt Polly in Peaky Blinders either. Now, unpack that for us just as we, we draw our conversation to a close because I think many people will be aware that there has been outreach 
to gypsies. But very few will understand just how fertile a soil gypsy thinking and philosophy is to a Christian message. Mm. Um, the with gypsies and travelers, the they they created essentially their own church within the 1950s. There was a, a response, a revival um, that that started actually in France and then spread round round the world uh, essentially, um, and that was in response to this uh, this you know this this proselytizing this this um, evangelism towards gypsies and travelers which was very much so you know you need redeeming you you are a sinner etc etc um and uh and obviously gypsies were called far far more worse than uh than that but that message was then you know again in the same way we spoke earlier you know something where it, it's done in an in a negative way you know gypsies were being outreach uh, there was outreach towards gypsies because of who they were perceived to be, not yes, because yes. Um, you know there was a, it was one of God's lost children. It was you know something was wrong with God's creation essentially, and it needed altering. Uh, and what gypsies and travellers did is that the, their own gospel was born out of the tents, out of the campsites, um, and started to spread. Um, because the thing is, is it, it it's one of those things we quite often find. Uh, I'm going to use a slight side story where we we see in certain often developing countries the the stories we get from christian communities are often much more sensational and i don't mean that in a sensationalist way but i mean sensational we hear of much more greater miracles happening on a regular basis healings that kind of thing seeing amazing wondrous things and it almost seems that the more that you get rid of your own life the more space God has to come in mm. and be able to work through you. And so when you're in a community that has been ostracized, demonized, marginalized, and had everything robbed and taken from you, ironically, um, because of the perceptions, you know, of, of people have of you, um, there's only room often for God and for God's values, family, integrity, swinging it all the way back around. And so when you have something like um, evangelistic uh, messages, it's, it is, you, as you, rightfully put i can't use a different term it's the right word it's fertile ground um gypsy hearts and gypsies might gypsy minds want to listen want to know want to grow and it's it's a fantastic um vehicle um in which gypsy and traveler faith has grown and has moved and i use those words intentionally because not only are gypsies and travelers mm. nomadic uh, often, you know, within within actual practices, but within our faith as well, uh, we're on a continual journey. We recognise that this life journey isn't the only journey. When we get, you know, we'll carry on, and then there's another destination after this. And what adventures and roads do we travel down when we get into that life? Um, our, our our faith is based around, you know, this movement and about keeping it clean and keeping it pure for God. And. That is an important part of it, isn't it? Because it will, I think, come as a surprise to people that there is an, an attitude towards sin within gypsy philosophy perspective and about keeping things clean and keeping things right. That actually is, well, it's turned up to 11, as you said earlier. It's far more intense than you would get in wider society. And... There's a lot for wider society to learn if we can get through these stereotypes and myths around mm. the travelling community. Yes, yeah, and um, and and that, that's you know that, that was there's lots of reasons why I wrote the book, <laughs> and and that that is one of them because it's recognizing that 
this isn't a, just a message about gypsies and travellers, and it's not just a message for gypsies and travellers. It's not even just a message for people who aren't gypsies and travellers, but it's recognising that just some people are gypsies and travellers, some people are not, but all people are God's people. And so if there's something to be learned from non-gypsies and travellers, then we have to acknowledge on that same principle and that same logic yeah. that God surely has something we learn from people who are gypsies and travellers because we're all within his creation. So there's got to be good models of practice as well on both sides, um, if we want to call it that. I don't like using the term sides, but it's easy to visualise. Yeah, and I think, well, maybe camps works as well, but there is that sense that, that there is a tragedy here that so much of the noise around the community that you grew have grown up in, um, the, so much of the noise around it hides a, a very real powerful truth that you, it was just a, a line you used just a few moments ago, that actually gypsies are open to learn. They want to learn. They want to grow. They want to develop. They want to, to know more. And it is a tragedy that society has done so little to facilitate that and so much to put barriers in the way of it yeah and th the thing is is whilst um people like are doing work such as myself where you know we're, we're we're working as bridge builders and and translators um there's only so much that can be done you know relationships as we know work two ways and you know we have to if i put on my if i put my gorger cap we you know we we have to um, be open to dialogue and to um, uh, and to relationship building and to recognizing that what we've done historically is uh, is is not right and needs altering and needs changing. Um, and the simplest, the quickest way of doing that is if I was on a stage, is to pass the microphone to the gypsy or traveller. If I've got a pen in my hand pass them the paper if i've got a computer turn the power on whatever it is you just need to be able to give the voice if there's a minority group or an ostracized community in any description and yes. you want you truly want to be able to embrace them with the same love that god has bestowed upon yourself or that you're worthy of and that they're worthy of then you have to be able to give them the pen it's as simple as that Steve's book is called Gypsies and Jesus, A Traveller Theology by Stephen Horn. It's published by DLT, available right now online and in good bookshops. It is well worth, if you have any interest at all, if you find yourself drawn to the romanticised image of the Romany that often appears in our entertainment media, it is well worth a read. The insight into the history of what these people have endured, the abuses, but also the things that have made them a people of strength is is absolutely phenomenal. And I'd like, if we can, to finish with that thought because, as I said right at the beginning, your dad was a Romany, your mum is a non-gypsy. You grew up with a foot in both camps, spending time with your dad's family, spending time with your mum's family. It had a, an impact on the way that you grew up, I know. But now, as an adult and as a man of faith, and you look back... What did that experience of both communities bring to your life? And what might an openness to both communities bring to our lives if we can connect? Ooh, oh, that's a good question. Um, 
you see, it's taken till now, really, to be able to look, I say now, within the last few years, to be able to look back and think, you know, what was it doing? Because if anything, it was a lot of working out to do. Uh, I had to go to a, I, I went through a lot of different jobs, for example, and I went through a lot of different experiences. And quite often I was resentful for that. I would ironically wanted some kind of settled life, but mentally, I think more than anything else. Um, but what it did is it gave me uh, the experience necessary to be able to speak with people like yourself, with other people that I've spoke to in this year alone, well, last year, sorry, with cathedrals and uh, on other podcasts and, you know, and through books, God used me to be able to pass on a message. I'm not the message, but if I can pass on one word from God of encouragement, then, you know, so be it. Because I realised that my experiences weren't for me. I thought they were, and I thought they were happening to me. But like all of our experiences, it's like if a miracle happens, the person who receives the miracle gets the blessing, but actually the witness and testimony and the encouragement is for everybody else. Miracles often happen for the benefit of the community, and the person who receives it is just happens to be the right place at the right time. Um, I happen to be in the right place at the right time. Um, and so hopefully the blessing is actually for other people to be able to have a more inclusive and collective community uh, and to more than anything, to be able to celebrate those differences and that we have in cultures, um, but to do so with a genuineness and not doing it out of a position of hatred or misinformed yeah. perceptions. Um, and so that's what I would want from, you know, from from other people. And I think most people are reasonable enough, you know, from whatever persuasion of life they're from to be able to hold that perception. And so I would say that if you do, if you're so inclined in any way, shape or form um, to love one another, as you've been instructed to by God, if you've inclined in any way, shape or form to be able to want to pass on a good, good message or to have a wholesome community, then just listen and just talk um, and do so with God glasses on and not, not the media glasses. <laughs> The book is called Gypsies and Jesus, A Traveller Theology by Stephen Horne. Dr. Stephen Horne, my guest today for this week's Life Issues, which we decided to call Just Gypsies, Tramps and Thieves or Something More. Because that's the reality. And that although media would have us paint this community in one light, the complexity, the history, the individualism, the character means that it's not just a shallow stereotype. It is a people from whom we can learn and who can learn from us and together, with respect and understanding, we can build and make society better. You've been listening to UCB Life Issues. My guest is Steve Horn. Steve, great to speak to you today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm Paul Hammond. Thank you to Rebecca, our producer, for this week. Why not join us next week for another Life Issues? Ta-da!